0: Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth. Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. And let's see, we've got um, 14 January 2018, nice and cold out there in Sarasota today. Uh, We've got a couple of visitors from outside of the Twin Cities in uh, Minnesota, and they are probably thinking that it's pretty wonderful that uh, they're in 40-degree weather instead of – I don't know what you've got going up there. But that's uh, Rick and Mary, and they're visiting today, and we want to send you our welcome. And thank you so much for making the effort of coming and joining us today. And let's see here. We – We have, before we get into the update, a couple things to announce. Just the first one is that we are still going through the feasts of the Lord. Today we're going to do what I call the Memorial of Acclamation. That's a name that I've never heard anybody ascribe to it. Most people call it the Feast of Trumpets or Rosh Hashanah, something like that. Uh, The term acclamation is far better because the word used doesn't specifically mean trumpets. Trumpets. Um, In Rosh Hashanah, meaning the first of the year, is actually using a different calendar than what the Bible uses for the feasts of the Lord. So that's wholly incorrect. So we're doing that sermon. I would hope that if you want to know what that is pointing to, that you would watch that sermon, okay? I will give you a clue right now, which I will say again during the sermon, in case you fall asleep, you can hear it now, is that it is not, not a picture of the rapture of the church, if you hear that, anybody tells you that, that is completely wrong. That is a misanalysis of that particular feast. We'll talk about what it is, and uh, it's a wonderful thing, and I hope that you'll enjoy that sermon. Next, I have something that I don't think I've ever been given before. This is a friend of mine that is a missionary overseas. I'll just give his name only, less, and he... Uh, he sent me from his mission. He does missionary work all around Asia, and he happened to go through Mongolia. And he got me a couple of silk Mongolia bandanas. And so I am really, he said, if you don't like this, uh, you don't have to. I'm like, man, this is this is pretty special here, I got to tell you. And plus, it, it doesn't stick up. You know, some bandanas, the, the cotton ones, they, they tend to, until they're really worn out, they kind of stick up and they make you look like a, hey, a Muslim or something. But this one is nice and round on the head. So um, there you go. And it's when I take it apart, if you look at it, it's really beautiful. I mean, it's it's like Indonesian baktik or something. It's just a beautiful design. But um uh, one other thing I want to say. I got this in the mail from somebody. It's from Omaha, Nebraska. They gave no return address. All they did, they gave a gift to the church. And uh, I want to tell people that uh, that means a lot to me that they did that. And I think it was purposeful that they didn't put any name in there at all. But I just wanted whoever did that to acknowledge them and thank them because, uh, you know, it's just very nice that people do that. So Omaha, Nebraska, my hat is off to you, and thank you. And, oh, good. We are so happy to hear You know what? We just had somebody walk in that we have been worried about. Yay. We weren't sure if you were sick or not. So right in the middle of the Prophecy Update, it's good to see you, brother. Wow, wow, wow. We've been really worried because he, one of our uh, congregants had uh, the Australian flu. He went over to England and he got it while he was over there and it is a terrible, terrible strain of the flu and it's really taken over England and uh, so we're very happy you're here healthy and safe. Um, Okay. Now I have one more thing. I'm not going to highlight anybody this week. I have something that I I will not do this again. So if somebody sends me a request for something on GoFundMe, uh, I'm not here to do that for um, uh, the Prophecy Update. But a person wrote me a very long letter, a heartfelt letter, and he has a serious problem in his house. He's disabled. He's unable to uh, uh, pay for this himself. And uh, he asked, would I be willing to do this? And in his letter, he said that no church in his area has helped him at all. Oh. They've not been willing to mention it. And uh, he, he is, um, you will have to go to the GoFundMe site and you will have to research it yourself. I, I don't know him personally, but he is a friend on Facebook. But the letter came to the church and it was probably five or six pages of handwritten notes oh. explaining his situation and his need. And so I'm going to tell you that it is urgent, septic tank repairs go to GoFundMe me and type in urgent septic tank repairs he sent me a copy of all of the receipts that he had and he also sent me um pictures of what happened in his house and i got to tell you what i cannot post them on the uh prophecy update because it was very very bad it backed up all over and um i will give you this much information and from there you can go look up ricky graham urgent septic tank repairs and he's disabled lives on a budget The bank cannot help due to the loan amount, and as I said, none of the churches in this area even offered to help. And uh, he did send me all the receipts. I got a copy of them, and um, so I just wanted to let you know that if you can help this gentleman out, that is my appeal to you for him, and please don't send me any in the future. Once you do something like that, people tend to want, oh, I want my, my cause also. I'm not going to do that. He was the first to do it. He's the only to get it. So there you go. And we're on to the prophecy update. Our first category, as always, is Israel. And uh, from Behold Israel, something very interesting. The uh, United Arab Emirates or uh, Abu Dhabi or one of these countries has done this. And uh, Israel, uh, other countries have done it too. China's out there doing it in the South China Sea and other people's territory and now claiming it's theirs. But Israel is going to do this, and I wonder how this will fit into Prophecy, because it's a very interesting article. Israel to construct artificial islands off its coast. Now, if you've looked at, like I said, I'll just call it the UAE, but it might have been Abu Dhabi. Don't correct me. It's just out there. One of these countries has made, you know, artificial islands off of their coast in the shape of palm trees, and they've done it in the shape of the world, the entire globe, and you can buy Spain or whatever, and you can build a house out there. So it's very interesting, but Israel is doing this out of necessity. They're a cramped little country, they need space, and they can also take some of the things that they now have taking up living space and they can move them out there. You know, airports and all that kind of stuff. So here we go. The artificial islands will allow Israel to clear land for more construction projects, as well as for moving infrastructure facilities such as desalinization and power plants. The Prime Minister addressed the cost and environmental concerns, stating, We have coasts on which we have built infrastructure, such as desalinization plants, power stations, and other infrastructures. This proposal is designed to build off Israel's coasts artificial islands that will absorb all of these infrastructures, clear the coasts, and, of course, provide more area. He explained that in 1996, we started the project of artificial islands, but it was halted due to opposition from environmental groups. Yes, and there were also feasibility questions. What has happened since then is that the technology of artificial islands has greatly changed and developed, and it has also evolved in the sense of being more environmentally friendly. We can answer all of the financial and ecological feasibility issues. I can tell you that this is something that we did in Sarasota back in the 1920s. I don't know how many of you know this, but there's an island just before you get to Lido Key called uh, Bird Key, right? That's a man-made island, folks. Yeah, they did that way back in the 20s and it's one of the most expensive pieces of property on this planet to live on. And yet it's it's a fake island. It was just made by people that wanted a little more room for, you know, stuff like that and a little isolation from the riff-raff, I guess. But um that's what? Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball, yeah. A lot of rich people have been out there. You know, we got um, down just the island south of us, and Casey Key is, um, uh, who's the guy, the spooky hey. writer? What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, Stephen King. He lives down there. So lots of rich people around here, but they, they don't want to be around the riffraff, so they get out on these, <laughs> uh, these islands, and they, they isolate themselves. But uh, anyway, yeah, that's a very interesting article. As soon as they do it, the fake are going to come in and they're going to say, that's our land. So, you know, it's just crazy. But there you go. From the Guardian, Israel imposes travel ban on 20 foreign NGOs, non-government organizations over boycott movement. They have finally taken action against these people that hate them. OK, the publication of the list, which also includes a well-known Jewish anti-occupation group and Nobel Peace Prize winning U.S. Quaker group, had been threatened for months by Israel. The organizations were singled out by Israel's right-wing strategic affairs and public security minister Gilad Erdan for advocating boycotts of Israel over its treatment of the Palestinians. Erdan said that the groups operate consistently and continuously against Israel using a campaign of incitement and lies, which is exactly what they do. They incite and they make up lies about Israel. Erdan said Israel had shifted from defense to offense. The boycott's organizations need to know that the state of Israel will act against them and not allow them to enter its territory to harm its citizens. No country would have allowed critics coming to harm the country to enter it. Okay, I'll give you the next article and I'll give you my comment. From the Times of Israel, rights groups slam ban on entry to Israel for BDS activists, saying Israel was trying to coerce opponents of the occupation, including U.S. Jews, into silence. Now, this is a sovereign nation. They have their own laws. They don't need people coming in and bad-mouthing them, which is exactly what these people do. They trash them every chance they get. Go on the websites of these people, and you will be appalled at what they say about Israel, making things up, lying continuously, and they get free reign into Israel. Here's my thought. Try that with Saudi Arabia. Try saying how bad Saudi Arabia is and then ask for a visa to go in there. Try that with any other country in the world. Just because Israel's a democracy is like a punching bag. We're just going to keep beating these people up and they're going to keep taking it and they're tired of it. Try that in Malaysia. I spent three years of my life almost to the day in Malaysia. You know, they have laws. If you take drugs into the country of Malaysia, you can't say you weren't warned. Because when they stamp your passport, it is in giant red letters. Mandatory death penalty for all drug uh, traffickers And people go in there, Australians have been hung, people from Singapore, I believe in American, people go in there and they traffic drugs, they carry in a a, a, cig- a a joint, whatever, and there is one appeal to the king of Malaysia, and then they hang you, and that is it. They do not tolerate that. Countries have the right to exercise whatever laws they pass. If you don't like their laws, don't go to their countries. Israel... Is no different. I'm so glad they're standing up for these against these people. From our Shiva, <laughs> the report. Saudi Arabia working with Israel against Iran. We've seen this three times in the past four months. Another one, the Swiss newspaper Basler Zeitung, reported that Israel and Saudi Arabia are working together to fight Iran's expanding presence in the Middle East. Now imagine that. Could you anybody have imagined this five years ago? I couldn't have. According to the report, the two countries are cooperating significantly in the areas of military issues and security on strategic issues, despite the fact that they have no open diplomatic ties. Another report said that the shared interest in preventing Iran from establishing itself through the Middle East with a land corridor to the Mediterranean Sea has caused the Saudis to debate purchasing Israeli-made military equipment and defense systems. Basler Zeitung also claimed that Riyadh requested Israel examine the possibility of acquiring through a third party anti-tank defense systems and the Iron Dome anti-missile system. So they're actually talking about working through a third party to buy these things. We reported on drones with the same thing about eight months ago. Okay, Recently, there were several reports of Israeli and Saudi official officials meeting though neither side disclosed the topics and discussions. Okay? But, this is a very, very important thing that we're seeing here because it's exactly what the Bible says in Ezekiel 38 that countries like Saudi Arabia are going to stand back and they're going to say we are not getting involved when Gog Magog comes against Israel. They're not specifically aligned with them except against Iran but they are not going to be a part of, remember now, 1948 when Israel declared its sovereignty as a nation, every Muslim nation on the planet, every one of them declared war immediately against Israel. And they came against Israel and they were defeated. In 1967, Jordan didn't want to get involved. They got suckered into it and they got spanked again. They won't be doing this a third time and Saudi Arabia is not going to as well. They know that Israel can destroy them. They're going to say, well, if you guys want to come in and destroy them, go ahead. Then we'll get the plunder, right? But They are not going to do it, and that's what the Bible says. Uh, There's a couple other things I've mentioned before, but it's worth remembering, is that if Israel is attacked by Saudi Arabia, all Israel has to do is send off one bomb, and it doesn't need to be a nuke, and it needs to land on the black stone down there in Mecca, and that is the end of Islam, and they know that. So they cannot take that type of a chance. Egypt cannot come against Israel because if Israel sends one bomb, not even a nuke, into the Aswan Dam, Egypt will cease to exist in 30 minutes. The entire country will be flooded and devastated. It might be longer than 30 minutes to get the water down there, but it will happen, and they know these things. They are not coming against them, and instead they're making these side alliances with them. It is a marvelous age to live in to see what's going on in the world. Christian news. I have no article for you, just a commentary, which I was so mad when a friend sent this to me that I thought this is our update on Christian news today. It's from Vale daily. This was written by a um, Presbyterian minister named Jack van ends. Now remember, this is a Presbyterian minister. I'm, I'm, I'm a Bible guy, right? <laughs> why are there so many evangelical friends of Israel, he asks. The two-faced Roman god Janus symbolizes why many evangelical Christians support the state of Israel in recognizing Jerusalem as its capital. Like the Roman god Janus, evangelicals present Two faces that look opposite from each other when they endorse Jerusalem as Israel's capital. So they're saying we're two-faced on this. Okay, We support this. We believe that Israel's back in the land for a reason. Whatever that reason is, we believe it is part of God's plan. And we support the transfer of Jerusalem to them for that reason. Okay? He's saying that's two-faced. He goes on. He says one profile faces the past, reminding evangelicals of an eternal pact God sealed with Abraham, giving him land upon which modern Jerusalem is built. Evangelicals also face the immediate future. They say God approves President Trump's December 6th declaration of support for Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Well, whether you agree with that or not, we can tell you that if you take the opposite stand God certainly disapproves of it because the Bible says that. Now, whether God approves of Donald Trump's decision or not can be debatable, all right? I believe he does. I believe that he did the right thing, and I believe that we will be favored because of that. Even if we have a complete total economic collapse tomorrow, that's not an indication that God isn't favoring us, okay? A lot of very important things have happened in our nation's history during economic downturns, okay? But... Just so you know that if the economy does go down, the left is going to say, see, God hates Donald Trump. So be ready for that. But um, their declaration of support for Jerusalem is Israel's capital. Evangelicals believe the ancient divine promise of land to Abraham applies to the modern state of Israel established in 1948. And then he quotes the Bible, Genesis 12. The Lord said to Avram, Go from your country to the land that I will show you. The site Jerusalem, he puts in parentheses, I will make you a great nation. Okay, so he's citing that. And I I can tell you without going on that the Bible does say that Israel would be returned in 1948. If you know the prophecy, if you know the calculation, it happened exactly as the Bible said would happen. Okay, we won't get into that now. We'll be here all day. Some evangelicals skip problems in this text. So he's saying there's a problem in the text with our logic. Abraham didn't govern a nation state as if that has any relevance on it at all. He was a man in a tent that was called out. You can't have a nation state when you're the first person called into the land. So that's a complete, this guy uses as many fallacies in what he writes as anybody I've ever seen. This is a very unclear thinking person and I posted as such on the article to let him know that, but... He said his people, meaning Abraham, were Hebraic nomads. And then he says, uh, see Genesis, no, I'm saying that, see Genesis fifteen, twelve through 21. So I'll take you there very quickly. Genesis 15, this is my comment. Uh, I, I don't know why I put it down there, but I put a couple references that we should probably read. Genesis fifteen, twelve through 21 says, oh yeah, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Avram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Avram, "Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they shall serve, I will judge afterward, they shall come out with great possession. So he didn't just promise it to a bunch of nomads, he promised it to an entire nation while something else was going on in the land of Canaan, which is explicitly stated in the Bible. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, which is exactly what happened following the line of the Levites. Okay, anyway, for the iniquity of the Amorites, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Okay, God was showing mercy on the inhabitants of the land by saying to Avram, this is your land, but you're not going to be in it for 400 years while these people build up their iniquity. Okay, And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Avram, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land to you and your descendants from the river of the Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. A lot of sites there, but... Uh, most of them are gone completely from history. Some of them have descendants out there still milling around. But if you notice, he promised all the way up to the Euphrates, and that is coming soon to a world near you. Okay, but we'll go on. Is it correct then to superimpose ancient promises of a special land for Jews on contemporary Israelis? Well, if you read the Bible in context, the answer is Yes. Ancient Hebrews occupied the land of Canaan after evicting tribes such as the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Hittites, and other native people. He cites Exodus 3, 8 there. These Hebrews believed, he, he says believed, God wanted them to show no mercy to the primitive Canaanites. Okay? He goes on. He says invading Hebrews rid the land of any artifacts of Canaanite culture. And then he cites Deuteronomy 7, 2, and twelve three, which tells them exactly what he says is a belief. As God's word to do so, go in there and spare nobody or lest they will be a snare around your neck, etc. cetera, all the things that he told them, destroy the people of the land. Why? I gave you the answer about three sentences ago because God gave them 400 years to repent and turn back to him and they didn't. They just got worse and worse and worse. And finally, the long suffering of the Lord was over and it was time to rid the land of Canaan. He did that in the year 1656 from the creation of the world when he destroyed the world by flood. He's going to do it again in the tribulation period when he destroys the world by fire. fire. Thank you. The Lord only takes so much from his rebellious people. Okay. It's right there. And he says, well, they believed. They didn't have to believe. They were ordered by the Lord in his word, the sovereign creator of all things to do these things. We'll go on. He says, um, doesn't their defense of atrocities sound frontier? So he's saying that what the Hebrews did in going into Canaan at the word of the Lord was an atrocity. This is supposedly a Presbyterian minister. Okay. Did God really tell Christians to rout savages from their lands? He goes, Christian Protestants justification for dislodging Native Americans from sacred lands on the frontier. Did God really tell Christians to rout savages from their lands? Okay, that's a fallacy. Why is it a fallacy? Because it's completely irrelevant to what the Bible says. Okay, it has no bearing at all on what the issue is speaking of. What we did in this nation to the American Indians, if you want to know, things I never knew until the past two months when I started watching Ken Burns' series on the West. And the treatment of the Native Indians in this nation was Horrific. Promises made, promises broken, families killed because they had that color skin. On and on. It happened to the Mexican Americans that occupied uh, California since way, way back. Okay. Horrific. We cannot justify what happened there, but we also cannot equate it to what the Lord said to do in His word in the land of Canaan. Okay. Now, I, I will say that in destroying. We built. I'm not trying to in any way justify what happened to the people of this land in any way. Lives were lost and it was not correct. We are not, as Christians, to go out and slaughter masses of people in order to convert. That's what Islam teaches. Okay? But in America, we destroyed and we rebuilt, and now all of those people have a chance to be a part of this society. If people want to bring up the past and what is old, That's their deal. They want to bring that up, but we have a nation which was built and which allowed people eventually to assimilate into this country regardless of race, creed, color, religion, or anything else. So he is using fallacies, and we cannot use that argument, but I would recommend you watch The West by Ken Burns. It is an outstanding series, and it brought me to tears many times. We'll go on. It says here, some evangelicals ignore these thorny questions. Well, they're not thorny questions. It doesn't matter what happened in the United States of America when we're speaking about the land of Israel and the edict of God. That is what matters is the sovereign creator of all things has a right, a right to do whatever he wishes, and he will never violate his own moral character in the process. He will not violate his righteousness. He will not violate his justice. He was just and he gave those people a chance. He is righteous, and he took away that chance when the fullness of their iniquity was revealed. This is the sovereign God that can do these things. We'll go on. He says, um, they support Jerusalem as Israel's capital because that's God's game plan. Well, yeah, that's that's what it is, okay? While this decision, Trump's decree that Jerusalem uh, be declared Israel's capital, was not made exclusively in response to evangelicals, it would not have been made without the evangelical influence declared Johnny Moore, who serves on President Trump's Evangelical Advisory Board. So we helped spur our president in the right direction. And that is true. There's no doubt about that. But what does it say in the Bible about having many counselors for a leader, right? And if you want the right counselors, you go to Christians. You go to people that understand this word in context as the Lord expects of us. That's where you go. And he has done that in most instances. I understand that the people that stood around him and prayed over him, and people want to hold that against him and say, well, they're not really Christians, and so he can't really be a Christian. I've had people email me that in recent weeks, and my response is the same to each one of them. You are saved not by who led you to the Lord. You are saved by the Lord. If you say, I understand that Jesus died for my sins, if you say, I believe that God raised him from the dead, to justify me, you are saved. Romans, go read it. We, that's a fallacy. It's a, what's called a source fallacy. It doesn't matter who led somebody to the Lord. Guess what? I was in the store right down here when I met the Lord how many years ago? I had my own store and some people came in and guess who they were? Jehovah. Jehovah's Witnesses, right? You talk about a source fallacy. Well, you can't be saved. You were led to the Lord by a Jehovah's Witness. No. He opened my Bible and he said, look at that verse. So who was it that converted me? That numbskull? Or was it the word of God, right? We've got to be careful about fallacies. Fallacies in thinking always show us ignorant. They cause problems. If you want to know what fallacies are, go to Wikipedia and just type in fallacy. And you can read dozens of different types of fallacies, red herrings and smoke screens. Who was the king of smoke screens? He was in office about four presidents ago. The king of smoke screens, Bill Clinton, right? Red herrings, genetic fallacies, source fallacies, they all are things that we need to not get engaged in. Let's go on, though. Oh, <laughs> all right, we've got um, Trump's decision, the decree evangelicals helped where was I um, some evangelicals believe making Jerusalem Israel's capital fits nicely with biblical prophecy emerging during Donald Trump's presidency well if that's the time that it happens that's the time that it happens is anybody angry right now because I'm fuming I'm li- good thank you I'm fuming these Christians cobble listen to what he says cobble together obscure texts as if any part of this word is obscure As if anything in this word has no relevance because God didn't really mean to put it in there. It's just some little thing. Everything in this book points to Christ Jesus. If you're not looking for Christ Jesus in this book, you're reading it with the wrong attitude and the wrong direction. Christ Jesus. Okay? Obscure texts. Rip them from ancient biblical contexts. What do you think the word prophecy means? It doesn't mean right now it can mean right now, but it usually means, listen, something's coming way at the end of times, okay? And concoct timelines of cataclysmic events preceding the world's demise. Well, guess what the entire book of Revelation does? Let me read it again. It, it um, concocts timelines of cataclysmic events preceding the world's demise. Just take his words and use them. Because that's what the book of Revelation does, and the rest of the Bible does as well, as long as you take it in proper context. Some evangelicals believe Jews must seize total control of Jerusalem, which I don't know what that means, but a sign that Jesus' return to the earth is imminent. The prophecy how near Jerusalem and. What's the word? Apocalyptic, thank you. Battle will erupt in which two-thirds of the Jews are killed. So he says, well, that's what evangelicals believe. Two-thirds of the Jews of the world are going to get killed. Well, let me read you something. Zechariah 13, verse 8. Tell me if this has ever been fulfilled in history, okay? Let me know if it has, because if it has, then maybe we're wrong about this. Zechariah 13, verse 8 says, And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that Two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die. It's future to us now. It hasn't happened. So how can we be concocting something? It's going to happen someday. It's probably going to happen now in our lifetimes. The remaining third either confess Jesus as their Messiah or are damned. So he's saying, well, if you don't confess Jesus as your Messiah, according to evangelical, you're damned, right? Well, what kind of a Presbyterian minister is he? Here's what I want to read you something. Here's what it says in Acts 4, verse 12. If Burke were here, he'd stand up and he'd shout it out right now, wouldn't he? Burke knows the Bible better than anybody I know. Here's what it says, folks. Had two of the people walk out of Paul's um, funeral yesterday because I was citing the Bible and they didn't like that. But here's what it says in Acts 4, what did I say, verse 12. It says, um, I got to get into 4 and 12. Nor is there salvation in any other... For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The guy's a knucklehead. He's a knucklehead that he would say something like this when the Bible explicitly says it. What kind of a minister is filling the pulpit at that guy's church? The remaining third confess, okay, consequently some evangelicals say naming Jerusalem as capital is pivotal for prophecy to unfold when Jews are converted to Christ prior to Jesus' return to earth, Jesus himself said that. He said it himself. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone the prophets, how I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers its chick under its wings, but you are not willing. I tell you, you shall see, speaking to Jerusalem, not to the rest of the world, to Jerusalem, the seat of government. You shall not see me again until you say, Baruch haba Bashem, Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's dismissing the Bible as if it's just a a book of myths. How can he do that? Let's go on. He says, um, uh, where is that? Lost my place again. Disbelieving Israelis. um, Oh, yeah. Disbelieving Israelis put up with this nonsense because they benefit enormously from U.S. monetary aid munitions flowing into Jerusalem. In response, so it's all our fault that they even like us at all in Israel. If we didn't, then we could get rid of that stupid Jewish problem, right? That's what he's kind of saying there, okay? In response, evangelicals support Israelis who are ripe for conversion to Christ. Well, isn't that our job? Isn't that our job is to tell the people about Christ? It doesn't matter if they're Jew or Gentile. That's our job. Then Bible prophecy comes true. Well, guess what? Read Romans 9 through 11. And if you're too tired to read it today, just come every Thursday night because we're in Romans 9 right now. And we'll be through chapter 11 in probably another two or three, four months. And I tell you, you will understand the issue of Israel, the Jews, etc. better than you ever did before. That is where God's heart is. We are, yes, an insert into redemptive history because his people rejected him. And someday they will call on him. And in the meantime, God is not wasting time. It's the Gentile-led church age. There are Jews included, but this is the Gentile-led church age. And many, many souls are coming to Christ, but it is going to end. Guess what? It's going to end in a surprising way for this guy. Okay. Let's hear earlier this century, Leon Weitzler a Jewish scholar and literary editor of the New Republic exposed the corrupt bargain between evangelicals and Israel's leaders. He said, this is a grim comedy of mutual condescension, he observed. The evangelical Christians condescend to the Jews by offering their support before they convert or kill them. Yeah, he's citing some Jewish guy that says that we want to kill the Jews. it's, It's crazy. And the conservative Jews condescend to Christians by accepting their support while believing their eschatology, meaning end times prophecy, is nonsense. They do believe that. The Jews believe it's nonsense, and that's fine. Just because they believe it doesn't mean that it's not true. This word must stand, or it's not God's word, and I assure you it is. So he ends here with, this is a fine example of the political exploitation of religion, So we're exploiting religion by wanting to convert Jews to Christ. That's exploitation to him. Bad religion breeds bad political results, such as making Jerusalem Israel's capital. This is a supposed minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no problem when people disagree about the issue of Israel. You're not saved by believing that Israel is God's people or whatever. You're saved by Jesus Christ and his shed blood. But... To diminish the word of God in the process of saying how wrong we are, he's in real trouble with the Lord. I can tell you that. He better get on his face and repent about that. Okay, Islam today. From the times of Israel, German Bill seeks deportation of migrants who express anti Semitism. Now, think of that. Remember when Usama was here just a couple weeks ago? He proved that if you are a Muslim, you must by default believe, if you're a believing Muslim, by default, you must believe that the Jews need to be killed, okay? And what he said is your question for every person that comes into the United States of America should be very simple. Are you a Muslim? Yes, then you must go. Not because we don't like Muslims, but because of their policies, because of the beliefs of the Quran. If you're willing to set aside those beliefs and convert or do something other than that, great. But if you say that I am a Muslim and I believe in Sharia, don't come in. Okay, well, here we go. Um, Germany's ruling parties are preparing legislation that could see migrants who express anti-Semitic views deported from the country. They're going to be back to no immigrants pretty soon if they hold up to this. The CDU-CSU conservative alliance led by Chancellor Merkel hopes to present the new bill by the International Holocaust Remembrance Day on January 27th. So that's pretty soon. The draft legislation states that absolute acceptance of Jewish life is a benchmark for successful integration. If they actually hold to that policy, people are going to have to go back to all of these countries. I don't know if they're going to do it, but it's one thing to pass a law. It's another thing to enforce the law. We'll see where that happens. Anyone, he says, who rejects Jewish life in Germany or questions Israel's right to exist ...cannot have a place in our country. That's the deputy chairman of the CDU-CSU Parliamentary Group. He said that Berlin must resolutely oppose the anti-Semitism of migrants with an Arab background and from African countries. Migrants found guilty of anti-Semitic speech could... There you go. ...face deportation. It should say they must. That should be the end of that law. They must leave if they support this ideology. Mail Online. This is a very good article. Very short. Remember the person's name for later. The French mayor is accused of being anti-Muslim for scrapping pork-free school meals, saying they are anti-Republican. Pork-free school meals have been scrapped from a French school district. National Front Mayor Julian, that's his name, Julian Sanchez, called the scheme anti-Republican. Sanchez has been accused, now they throw in a red herring, this is another fallacy, has been accused of being anti-Muslim and anti Jewish for his move. Have you ever, anybody here, have you ever seen a Jewish person complain about pork on a school menu? I grew up with lots of Jews here in Sarasota. What do they do? They pack their lunches for their children and they say, that's not kosher food there, right? Or they eat it. or they, Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. A lot of Jews are not observant. But I will tell you that if they want kosher meat, what do they do? They open a business that says kosher meats and they start making a profit. Right, You see it all over America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. When a Muslim moves into a town, they demand that you serve halal in your store or they will sue you. They don't just start their own halal stores. Now, there are halal stores out there, but when they're not available and nobody's Mm -hmm. inspired enough to actually get out and get to work, then they just sue. Okay? So that's a red herring as well, right there, anti-Jewish move. But he did the right thing. You are not required to give people a special diet. If people can't eat certain things, then they need to be prepared for that. Okay, BBC, Macron tells Erdogan no chance of Turkey joining the EU. This is big. This is a very big article here. It's been coming. And now it is out in the open. He openly said it with his mouth. At a joint news conference in Paris, Mr. Macron said that there were differences over human rights since Turkey's purges following a failed coup in 2016. Mr. Erdogan said Turkey was tired of constantly imploring to join the EU, something that if he did, we would not have them as a part of Gog Magog, would we? But now this is all being moved off to the east. It's all being moved off to the east. This is a very important thing that happened here. Mr. Erdogan, I said that. Mr. Macron said it was time to end the hypocrisy of pretending that there was any prospect of an advance in Turkey's membership talks. It is done. The two leaders promised to deepen their cooperation in the fight against extremism. As far as the relationship with the European Union is concerned, it is clear that recent developments and choices do not allow any progression of the process in which we are engaged. But the French president also said it was important to keep a close relationship with Ankara and that perhaps this was the moment to explore an operation short of full EU membership. In other words, they're just throwing him a bone, which will never happen, a partnership, as he described it, that would anchor Turkish people in Europe. It's done. It is not going to happen. They are moving east with Russia. Israel Hayom. Trump follows through on threat. Slashes aid to Palestinians. Okay? Yes. Now, this is one thing. Listen to the first couple lines of what this guy said, because this is a person not to be toyed with. One thing is becoming certain. You dismiss President Trump's threats at your own peril. Yeah. Everybody's finding this out. For decades, Middle East despots and warlords were continued to shrug off American pressure, knowing full well that the White House didn't have the guts to follow through. Some might argue that it's not about guts. that presidents like Bush or Obama were being diplomatic by necessity. But then, why apply any pressure or issue warnings in the first place? Absolutely. As both former presidents often did. Making threats when everyone knows you have no intention of following through is the opposite of effective. Well, those days are done under Trump. And the President, the Fakistanians, just learned that lesson the hard way. Last Thursday, Trump tweeted that he was questioning the usefulness of massive American financial aid to the Fakistanian authority when it continues to incite against Israel and won't come to the negotiating table. Just days later, it was revealed that Trump had significantly slashed U.S. contributions to U.N.R.W.A. Until now, the U.S. covered a full one-fourth of U.N.R.W.A.'s operating costs. Three Western diplomats confirmed that Trump had frozen $125 million in aid to U.N.R.W.A., about one-third of the annual contribution. The sources added that Trump could increase the cut to $180 million if the Fakistanian Authority fails to get the message and rejoin the peace process. From Ynet, impact on Fakistinians could be catastrophic if U.S. pulls funding, says U.N. agency. Why? Because they take their cut. That's their jobs. They don't want that, so they're going to say that from the Times of Israel. Sweden warns against cutting U.S. aid to Fakistinian refugee agency. So Sweden is warning us now. Jerusalem Post, Fakistinian Authority paid terrorists... This is last year. They did the accounting. We've got the numbers nearly $350 million in 2017. We cut out $180 million, and now, guess what? The Taylor Force Act has been passed by the House and the Congress. If it goes to the president, he will sign that law. I don't know where it's at right now, but it did pass. He will sign that, and we will cut them completely off. Why fund somebody that is paying terrorists to kill Jews? You talk about contrary to the peace process, that is it. That is contrary to the peace process, and it's also morally wrong. Okay, from Mongolian News today, from Xinhua Net. New Mongolian language interface invented in China. Mongolian is actually a very complicated language. They've got this solved now. A company in northern China's inner Mongolia, Autonomous Region, has overcome a long-time technology barrier and developed a unified input method in the Mongolian language. That means very soon everybody's going to be able to communicate with them. The input method contains 16 fonts. It enables people using the Mongolian language to communicate smoothly online, which was almost impossible before. Now we can communicate on WeChat and text each other freely. It is as easy as typing in Mandarin. Born in the period of Genghis Khan, founder of the Mongol Empire, the Mongolian language has a history of over 700 years. The language is written vertically and has various dialects, making it hard to encode with a unified standard, okay? Well, actually, Mongolia has two alphabets. One is the Cyrillic, which is the Russians, because they went and took over all of Mongolia, not Inner mongolia but the country Mongolia, and they gave them that alphabet. But they also have their own alphabet, and so it's a very complicated thing, which they have now overcome, so very soon— You're going to be able to hop onto the internet and somebody in Mongolia friends you on Facebook. You'll be able to hit Google Translate and zip right over to them. Coming soon to a uh, chat near you. Dangolia, uh, Daniel 12, not Dangolia. (laughs) Daniel 12 Technology. (laughs) Business Insider. This is very cool. I like it if you don't like war stuff, which I bring up from time to time. You won't like it, but it is very, very cool. Imagine destroying an entire city with one non-bomb, and having no residual after effects like radiation. How do you do it? My friend sent me this last week, and boy, was I excited. Okay, has anybody, we'll, we'll start, and then I'll ask you the question. The Air Force Rods from God could hit, well, I don't like the name of their program, but anyway, that's what they call it, Rods from God, could hit with the force of a nuclear weapon with no fallout. During the Vietnam War, the U.S. used what is called lazy dog bombs. Anybody ever heard of those? They're about this big. He's heard of them. They're about this big. All they are is just a piece of metal. Just a piece of metal and they put fins on it. And they drop them. Listen to what they do. These were simply solid steel pieces less than two inches long fitted with fins. There was no explosive. They were simply dropped by the hundreds from planes flying above Vietnam. Lazy dog projectiles, a.k.a. kinetic bombardment, could reach speeds of up to 500 miles an hour as they fell to the ground and could penetrate nine inches of concrete after being dropped from as little as 3,000 feet. It's just simply gravity, metal with fins and gravity, and off you go. You can destroy. Imagine if it can go nine inches into the concrete it go right through a human and four inches into the concrete. Amazing. Okay. And you don't have any expenses, you know? You don't have any, uh, what do you call it, uh, the gunpowder. You don't have the casing. All you got is just a piece of metal being dropped from a plane. Okay. And the idea is like shooting bullets at a target, except instead of losing velocity as it travels, the projectile is gaining velocity and energy that will be expended on impact. They were shotgunning a swath of jungle, raining bullet-sized death at high speeds. That's how Project Thor came to be. Why do I like that name? Because my son's name is Thor. There you go. All right, but it's got two R's. It doesn't have the one R, like, you know, the superhero. Anyway, um, yes, I regret my children's names after all these years. I named them from Led Zeppelin songs, okay? I didn't know the Lord. Tangerine. Uh, Third album, second side, first song, Tangerine, and then Thor comes from a song with the winds of Thor blowing cold. Anyway, there you go. That's the history of my children's names. But in the book of Revelation, it says we will all get a new name. name. Thank you. There you go. So they don't have to be called Thor forever. Anyway, um, instead of hundreds of small projectiles from a few thousand feet, Thor used a projectile from a few thousand miles above the earth. The Rods from God idea was a bundle of telephone pole-sized... 20-foot-long, 1-foot-diameter, tungsten rods drop from orbit, reaching a speed of up to 10 times the speed of sound. The rod itself would penetrate hundreds of feet into the earth, destroying any potential hardened bunkers or secret underground sites. More than that, when the rod hits, the explosion would be on par with the magnitude of a ground-penetrating nuclear weapon. But with no fallout, such a weapon could destroy a target within 15 minutes' notice. One Kurora user who works in the defense aerospace industry quoted a cost of no less than $10,000 a pound to fire anything into space. With 20 cubic feet of dense tungsten weighing in at just over 24,000 pounds, the math is easy. Just one of the rods would be prohibitively expensive. The cost of $230 million a rod was unimaginable during the Cold War. These days, not so much. In other words, the cost has come down. They can now afford these. The Bush admin even considered revisiting the idea to hit underground nuclear sites in rogue nations in the years following 9-11. The trouble with the nuclear payload is that it isn't designed to penetrate deep into the surface, and the fallout from a nuclear device can be devastating to surrounding potentially friendly areas. A core takeaway from the concept of weapons like Project Thor's is that the hypersonic weapons pack a significant punch and may be the future of global warfare. You just drop a rod from... 10,000 miles up in the sky or however far it is, and you got a mini nuclear bomb with no fallout. Amazing. What do people think of? From Revelation Plagues Today. That's a plague all by itself. Uh, L.A. Times says severe flu brings medicine shortages, packed ERs, and rising death toll in California. Have they not had a lot of punches in the past three months in California? Maybe four. Unbelievable. Yeah, wake up. So many people have fallen sick with influenza in California that pharmacies have run out of flu medicines. Emergency rooms are packed, and the death toll is rising higher than in previous years. Health officials said that Friday, 27 people younger than 65 have died of the flu in California since October, compared with three at the same time last year, 65 instead of three. Nationwide and in California, flu activity spiked sharply in late December and continues to grow. The emergency room at UCLA Medical Center in Santa Monica is typically treating about 140 patients a day, but at least one day this week, they had more than 200, mostly because of the flu. Most people in California and nationwide are catching a strain of influenza known as H3N2. If that's what I got, I can tell you it is terrible. I'm still, I can't breathe well now after getting excited. I swept out front before you all came this morning. I was winded by sweeping. Imagine that. Which the flu vaccine typically doesn't work against as well. There you go. People tell me, why didn't you get your flu vaccine? Well, guess what? It doesn't work anyway. Okay, national health officials say the vaccine might only be about 32% effective this year, which could be contributing to the high number of people falling ill. H3N2 is also a particularly dangerous strain of the flu, experts say. Mail online, dreaded Aussie flu. Thank goodness her brother is okay. Outbreak is unpredictable. Expert warns as official figures show cases of the killer virus have soared by 70% in a single week. UK has got a lot of trouble. Government figures show 2,810 people have been struck down in the last week alone. Hospitals and GP surgeries have been plunged into chaos due to the sharp rise. Just two areas of the United Kingdom are believed to be free of the potentially fatal bug. From Morality Today, Business Insider... Midnight marriages, what a disgrace. You know, it had to happen, and when they were debating whether it was going to happen, it was a foregone conclusion, but here it is. Midnight marriages usher in Australia's same-sex wedding laws. At the stroke of midnight and the early hours of Tuesday morning, dozens of same-sex couples exchanged wedding vows across Australia as laws making the nation the 26th in the world to legalize gay marriage took effect. How the mighty have fallen. Breitbart... UK NHS patient asked for a female nurse. She's in there. She asked for a female nurse because she needs a cervical smear. She gets a tattooed trans man with stubble. Yeah, this is the cost of these type of laws. A woman who requested a female nurse for an intimate procedure was given an obviously male member of the staff with stubble and tattoos who claimed to be a transsexual. When she pointed out what she thought was a mistake, the nurse told her, my gender is not male, I'm transsexual. Speaking after the examination, which she ultimately decided to abandon, good job, the patient said it was weird where somebody says to you, my gender is not male, and you think, well, what does that even mean? You're clearly a man. In a formal letter of complaint, she objected that people who are not comfortable about this are presented as bigots, and this Uh, is kind of how I was made to feel about it. Well, this is what happens in the world when you reject God and when you go with this type of insanity. Now, this is coming soon to an American near you. As soon as Trump is gone, we're going to get somebody else, and it's going to be right back on the same path as before. We have, it's terrible. From CNS, Planned Parenthood, your tax dollars, 2017, we did 321,384 abortions, got $543.7 million in tax. According to a report by the GAO, Medicaid and the federal Title X family planning program both provide tax dollars to Planned Parenthood. As summarized in a Congressional Research Service report, Planned Parenthood Federation of America affiliates received $400.56 million in Medicaid funding in 2012 and $64.35 million in Title X funding. Trump says he's going to get rid of Planned Parenthood. I hope he can. I hope he can. Because... 2016 was a leap year that included 366 days. The 321,384 abortions Planned Parenthood did during the fiscal 2016 equaled approximately 878 for every day of the year. If Planned Parenthood had done its abortions nonstop 24 hours a day for the full year, they would have needed to abort approximately 37 babies every hour or one every 98 seconds. And our government is paying for this. It is the saddest thing that I read from week to week to week is the abortion issue, and I'm not going to stop doing it. I don't care if it offends people. We need to know what's going on, and we need to speak against it. We need to vote out people that would do this to human life. Other category, Hawaii. Hawaii, a little bit of a scare there, didn't they? Pictures of people picking up manhole covers and dropping their kids into the manholes and covering them back up because they thought that a nuclear bomb was coming their way. And it was all because somebody pushed the wrong button. Can you imagine that? Wow. Okay, that's the world we live in, folks. Zero hedge. Iran sanctions will help China's Petro Yuan. Very important article. Yes, he would do the right thing if he sanctions them, and it's probably going to happen in four months. They're going to do away with this deal. He said, you have four months to renegotiate this deal, or we are ending it. And they're not going to. They've said openly, we are not going to. So in four months, and it may even be sooner, In a few days, President Trump may try to reimpose sanctions on Iran. He didn't, but this is coming soon to a world near you, okay? A dramatic step that could heighten tensions between the two countries. Some analysts believe the move could contribute to a much broader global economic power shift from the U.S. to China. The connection between the issues may not be obvious at first, but by seeking to isolate Iran from the international market, which we will do, Iran could look elsewhere. Because the global oil trade is conducted in greenbacks, all oil in the world is traded in greenbacks right now, the U.S. Treasury was able to restrict Iran's ability to access the global financial system in the past. That made it extremely difficult for Iran to sell its oil prior to the thaw in relations in 2015, which kept millions of barrels of daily oil production on the sidelines. This time around, however, the U.S. will likely go it alone. The Trump admin won't have the backing of the international community in its campaign to resurrect sanctions against Iran. In other words, it's going to be us against them. Nobody else. Okay. Which will make the isolation much more difficult. A few months ago, Goldman Sachs predicted that unilateral sanctions from the U S could affect a few hundred thousand barrels per day from Iran, but without help from the rest of the world, the effort would not curtail nearly the same amount of oil as the last time around. Moreover, Some analysts argue that Washington crackdown could merely push Iran to begin selling oil under contracts dominated in the yuan. No longer would greenbacks be used. Once that door is open, it will flood the entire world. Okay, oil-dominated oil oil futures contract, a move that would symbolize as well as contribute to the ascendancy of the Chinese economy as a rival to long-held U.S. hegemony. Now, do you think that our previous president didn't figure this in, knowing it was a bad deal, and that if we got rid of it, he would get his intentions anyway, because communist country would start having an ascendancy in the world, as Osama said, Our previous president was planting trees that's a long term strategy. You plant a tree, you better plan on years before you get your first orange, right? Planting trees, that's what he's doing, and these things were figured out by these people. So, if it happens, so what? We do what's morally right and we keep the Lord as our God, we will be okay. That's the way the things work in the world. But there we go. Um, Let's see here. Reports suggest China is planning to allow trading in oil futures contract on the Shanghai Futures Exchange on January 18th, coming soon to a day near you. Four more days. China has had some false starts in its quest to launch its Yuan-denominated futures contract. But the official launch appears to be only days away. The contract will only be powerful to the extent that it becomes highly liquid and widely traded, which will only be achieved when more of the global oil trade is conducted in the currency. Meanwhile, Russia recently announced that it would sell $1 billion worth of yuan-denominated bonds in 2018, another move that will bolster the rise of the yuan as a top global currency. Washington could unwittingly accelerate the changeover. President Trump has sought to make America great again, but his effort to isolate Iran could have the side effect of pushing OPEC's third largest exporter onto the Chinese currency, giving a boost to China's rise. That's serious. We'll see where it goes. We have four more months now to consider this option, but I, I can't see how it's going to change because Iran has said, We are not renegotiating. And Trump says, Either, and he's a man of his word, if he says he's going to do it, Okay, mail online, humans are able, how do I know this is true? This happened just a week ago, before two weeks ago when we were at uh, Bible class on a Thursday night. One of our sisters that attends the church here looked at me and she said, boy, you look sick. She didn't say it directly to me, but she came up later and uh, uh, I had no idea. Humans are able to spot subtle signs of illness in someone's face within seconds of them coming down with the nasty bug scientists discover. She could tell immediately, and I didn't even know I was sick until Saturday when I went to do the internment ceremony. Some signs of sickness are obvious, such as violent cough, researchers say, but some adults with no medical training can spot imperceptible facial changes. I guess uh, (laughs) we're... Anyway, the cues are uh, we become slightly paler, our face is more swollen, and eyes droopy. The findings could be used by artificial intelligence systems, scientists believe. So now they can teach an AI to tell when somebody's sick even before they know it. Wow. Okay, Zero Hedge, Baltimore residents use GoFundMe to buy heaters for broken, freezing schools. GoFundMe is being used to heat Baltimore schools. And this morning I read an article where they are so upset at their school system because of this. Well, guess what? You keep voting liberal, that's what you're going to get. Until you get somebody in there that is reasonably minded about financial issues which no liberal on this planet is you're going to have these issues and then you're going to get angry of course why do you think there's so many people killing each other there okay this is another article it goes back to last week i was literally waiting for trump's uh, list. Remember, he was going to on the first, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. and he was going to do the list, and he held off on it. He he baited these people, saying that he's going to have this fake news awards. He baited them, and then he pulled off a week. And they were so angry, they were apoplectic. It was, he, this guy is a genius. Well, here we go. From VOX, Trump postpones his fake, fake news awards. Donald Trump at Donald Trump. The Fake News Awards, those going to the most corrupt and biased of the mainstream media, were Will be presented to the losers on Wednesday, January seventeenth, so in three more days, rather than this coming Monday. I was literally waiting for that to come out. And then I found out that he had he had even gotten the people that support him. I, I was just like, Oh okay, here we go. The interest in and importance of these awards is far greater than anyone could have anticipated. This guy is outstanding. Yes. He is accused of making a bad comment this week. He says he didn't. I would rather believe him. He probably used a different word that they transliterated into the word that was used. Whatever. Yeah. Listen to what the previous president has been said. Much worse. Anyway, I love our president. I can't wait for the awards to be released. The losers will be acknowledged okay here's a, a less for you I told you to remember the name of the uh mayor of that French town yes. what was his name no. Julian thank you yeah. Julian less is he's got a great brain for these type of things who in right mind could really despise a great batch of some Julian fries people say he's a dork because he will not ban pork Despite hundreds of liberal cries. Good job, Les. Okay, and let's see here. Irony of the week. But before I do that, we have Sergio and Rhoda's video this week, 11 minutes of pure joy. Absolutely astonishing. The Valley of the Shadow of Death. He talks about the Kidron Valley and its significance, and they go into some of the ancient tombs and stuff. It is outstanding. I'll tell you what. So there you go. Please watch. Click on the link either on the video or below the video, and you'll be able to go there. And irony of the week, Mail Online. Now, Aldi is a company in um, England like we have Costco or whatever here. Okay, just so you you get the picture. Okay, Aldi recalls Clancy's barbecued flavor-coated peanuts after the packets do not contain a warning about... Peanuts, there you go So such is the world we live in And from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia I'm Charlie Garrett This is the superior word And that is your prophecy update for the week